What do you think about that? Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 Amazing. Kids, another wow, right? Stephanie's wow. All the wows, come on down. Kids, come on down for the wow. Stephanie's right here in the back. Kids, come on down. As they're all gathering up together, today we continue our series, The Essentials. We start with breaking bread, then it was fellowship, then it was study, and then it was prayer. This week it is worship. These are the things that we can't grow without as disciples are essential and important in our lives. They sustain us. Every week we've heard amazing testimonies from people, and today that was from Dana. She spread it out throughout the whole service. So, Dana, thanks so much for sharing your testimony today. So give it up for Dana. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious God, center the words that I have to say. May they be acceptable and pleasing to you. May they come from you. May they speak to us. May they be inspired by the Holy Spirit driving each one of us to that place of new depth in our relationship with you. Challenge and convict us and guide us. Help us to become better disciples. Understand these essentials that you call us to be and to do in the early church and help us to live into them fully so we might bear fruit for you in all that we say and in all that we do. In Jesus Christ's name, I ask this on behalf of all of us. And together we said, Amen. I invite you to follow along with the U version. It is back, so go ahead and pull that back up. And it will be, as long as I preach, you'll always have one. Sometimes it's kind of iffy depending on who's preaching. But I'm always going to do that. So you can see all the things there as we gather together as well. So over the last four weeks... We have looked at, as I said before, the essentials. The early church believed were the things they could not grow as a disciple without. And then Kim did the best. She said, we gather around God's Word. I added together. So we gather around God's Word together. Say that. Say that. Together. Very good. See, remember that word? That was way back at the beginning. We do life what? Together. We pray what? Together. And finally, we break bread what? Together. And yet, if you go beyond Acts 2.42 into verses 46 through 47, which is the whole passage that encapsulates the seven essentials, you'll find the three other things the early church found essential to their faith and ours as well. And that's what we're exploring in July. The first one of those in verse 46 is depending on how you interpret it and there are different interpretations of it. But it says in different translations that they gathered together in the temple to worship. Can I have a slide, Davis? There should be a slide that has those things on it. There we go. So the New Living Translation says worshiped. And the message also says worship. The translations you're probably pulling up don't say worship. But somehow the word must be a part of the original language and what's going on. So the different translations to different things about what they did in the temple to be called worship. So that made me really cause me to think, what did they actually do for worship? What does worship actually even mean in those moments? 
What does it look like? I mean, do we even know what it means to worship? And is there anything like true worship? Are there right ways to do it? And wrong ways to do it? I mean, you know, in worship, is this an acceptable thing for me to wear? I was wearing it around this morning when I walked around. Two comments were, no, Pastor Jeremy, for you, that's not anything unusual whatsoever. I'm not sure what that means. The other comment was, it certainly makes a statement. I'm not sure how that works either. But most of us would probably say, doesn't feel like something that should be in a worship service. You're right. It shouldn't. There's no reason for this to be in a worship service. There's no reason for fireworks to be in a worship service, and yet churches do that. There's no reason to be draped in flags and star-spangled banners and red, white, and blue everywhere. And as Rick and I were talking about the worship today, you know, how far do you go? How do you keep that separated? You know, some of the color is up here, but there's a green just to kind of throw it off. So what is worship? What is true worship? I mean, back on Pentecost, I mentioned the possibility, as we are doing today, to start to worship together as one service, and many of you clapped and were excited about that idea. Probably today you're thinking the same thing. Wow, what an amazing worship service this morning. All those elements. Guess how long the service is going to be by the time we put all those elements in? It'll be less than the last week's, I can tell you that. (laughs) But the point is, what does that look like? And if I had to guess why you were applauding for that, and I've mentioned this in several different groups, I would say that every single one of us had a different picture in our mind's eye of what that worship would look like together, right? You clapped for something that you saw in your mind, which I guarantee you didn't look like Christus and Kim's and Carolyn's. We all clapped for something. But what was it really? What does it include? What does it not include? Because if we put everything in there that we have in both services, here you go. This is it. And while you may like that, I guarantee you that guests aren't going to stay around for an hour and 45 minutes every week to do worship. You guys are well trained. You'll take it, grumble about when you get home for a little bit, say it was pretty good, and it was all great. But a guest is not going to sit around for an hour and 45 minutes and go, that's how I'm going to spend my time. And we have to honor time people spend with us. It's a hard, hard balance. Lots and lots of good stuff. Amazing testimonies from people over the last several weeks. Great preaching. All of it. But, as somebody said, it was enough for six sermons. It's what I face every time I get up to decide what to keep in, what to take out. How to use our time, how to not use our time. What's important to mention, what's not important to mention. I need five minutes of time, Pastor. I need ten minutes of time, Pastor. Oh, only a couple minutes, Pastor. Fifteen minutes later. 
how do we deal with all of that? What does worship look like for us? We're going to be exploring that over the whole fall. Every fifth Sunday, it'll be one service. There's two of them, at least, in the fall. We're going to be asking you. We're going to be inviting you to fill out a survey, inviting you to talk and tell us what you think is the most meaningful parts of worship, not to find out, you know, I don't like that. I don't like those drums. I don't like those hymns. That's not what we're asking. What we're asking is, what is meaningful to you about worship the most so we can begin to decide if we are going to do this thing, how do we incorporate those things that we find together as community to be most important? Psalm 100 is a great place to start. And so I guess what I'm asking is, what are the worship essentials? What does the Bible have to say? Not our preference. I like this, I like that. We all like certain things. What does the Bible say is the worship essentials? In Psalm 104, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Now, lots of churches, including ours, use that wording of praise and worship. But what is praise? And how is it, if it is, different than worship? And actually it is. One writer says that praise is acknowledging and thanking God for the things God has done in your life. We offer praise to God as thanksgiving, remembering the wonderful works that God has done. The word praise in the dictionary means to express warm approval, admiration. When we praise God, we're expressing our admiration to God. Anyone can do this. You don't have to be a Christian to offer praise. You can see something God has done and you can praise Him for it. So then what is worship? To some people, worship is about modern bands with keyboards or guitars and drums. To others, it's about hymns and organs or solemn reverence and ritual. People have expressed worship in many ways in various denominations and cultures and traditions throughout the history of the church. What we call worship now is not what we got 100 years ago and 200 years ago and 300 years ago. We've always done it that way. We haven't always done it that way any time. Isaac Watts of his day was the contemporary music. He was called the devil, and he was going to go to hell because he did things from the 1700s. And yet Isaac Watts' songs are near and dear to our hearts. Worship is always changing. But what if, what if biblical worship is not about the music? That it's not about the event? What if it's not even mainly about the sense of the presence of God? Or freedom to express emotions? Or following a certain form? These can be related to worship. But what really is the heart of worship? And it seems to me if we're going to find the heart of worship, where do we need to go? Where's the best place to look to figure out what the heart of worship is? The Bible, very weak, but very, I mean, somebody started to, maybe it's the Bible? Jesus? I only know two answers. It's one of those two. It's got to be. Go with the Bible. Say it again. Where's the best place to go? 
Wow, such confidence. You bowled me over. So if we look at the Bible, what is worship according to the Bible? Well, in the New Testament, the most common words translated worship in the Bible means to kneel or lay face down. All of us do it every week, right? All of us are laying face down in the sanctuary every week. I mean, when I get here to worship, I go like this. Okay, I am ready to worship. That's what it means. Or we're kneeling the whole time. Anybody got any kneelers in here? Do I see any kneelers in the pews like in the Catholic Church where you have a kneeler that folds down? Nope. It's a kneeling or bowing down as an act of reverence. Right? So biblical worship is acknowledging that God is the King and results in living lives in the light of that truth. To lay oneself down before God. Maybe not literally or physically, And what is the word worship in Hebrew in the Old Testament? Worship means to bow down, prostrate oneself before a monarch or superior in homage. The, the wise men came to the child in the house and they did what? They worshipped him. And worship means what? They bowed down. They acknowledged and paid homage to him, right? Both of the primary words in the Hebrew and the Greek for worship in the Bible mean the same thing, to bow down or lay one's face to the ground. The other posture is this, which you know, you like to watch movies from around the world and they do this. There's also religion that prays that way to God. What religion would that be? That's a faith that has a lot of reverence for God. A lot. And that's what it means. And of course, in the Old Testament, that'd be very similar to what they would have done. It's the acknowledgement of God's glory. It's the someone who is transcendent and glorious and he's worthy of our full allegiance and devotion. That's what we're doing. So then Webster defines worship in a way that encapsulates the priority we should give to worship as a spiritual discipline. It says, worship is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. So the biblical words describe the actual act of worship, that of kneeling, bowing, or lying prostrate on the ground. The English translation then from the dictionary describes the reason why we should do what the Bible says. You see, the how and the why. Psalm 95.6 describes the act of biblical worship with two synonyms. kind of brings it all together. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. See, it wraps it all up together. So worship is to bow down or lay our face before God. That's worship, biblically. This physical act is worship when it reflects the heart's posture to follow the King according to the psalmist. And worship becomes a beautiful and powerful reality if we understand it from God's perspective, not our own, or at least more than ours, which we find throughout the Psalms, which if you want to find what worship's all about, go to the Psalms. They're songs of worship. The early church would sing these, not read them. Jesus sang these before his death. And I've included a list of 72 scriptures in your version event. So if you want to find a bunch of scriptures on worship being mentioned in some way within the Bible, there's 72 for them to chew on. 
So even though they are often grouped together, worship goes beyond praise. See? Worship is reserved for those who are in fellowship with God. Only those who are born-again believers who belong to the body of Christ can truly worship God in the way that we're talking about. See, we as followers worship God. We don't just praise God for the things God has done. We worship God because of who God is. Amen? Not because of the things that are done for us that are good. So there's a difference. Worship is a spiritual act that happens when your spirit connects with God's spirit. This is what Jesus means in John 4.24 when talking to the women at the well about the place to worship. He says, God is spirit and His worshipers must worship in the what? Spirit and the what? Truth. In the spirit and the truth. To worship in spirit is to be led by the living God and to know the joy that comes with fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You see, our experience of worship can be alive when we worship in spirit. True worship must be in spirit, led by the Spirit, involving the Spirit, the innermost part of our being. That's why music a lot of times makes the mark. But music isn't necessarily worship. Music is an outgrowth of worship. It's not worship itself. You worship without music, right? Amen? But worship can help. I mean, music can help. Then what is worship in truth? Truth. What is truth, Pilate said? Well, the truth here... To worship in truth is to ground our life in God's truth, in God's eternal word, which is the what? You're much stronger that time. It's not Jesus, you're right. It was the other answer. It was Bible. Jesus is in there, though. So you get half credit if you said Jesus. But we cannot worship, however, the way we want to. Whatever we feel like doing. It's really not very worshipful for me to put on that garment and to think that that's somehow okay. It's because I want to do it. And I think it's funny. To worship is to bow before God and delightfully follow God's orders. A lot of us, or some of us at least, still have some of these bracelets. Mike, you still have your bracelet? He usually has his bracelet. Alright. He still has his. Shelly has hers. We had these out in the sermon series. G-O-D. Remember what it stood for? Grateful, obedient, dependent. That's how we worship God, right? Being grateful, being obedient, and being dependent. You have to both have, for the heart of worship, you have to have both spirit and truth. Because if we worship in spirit without the word, without the truth, then we might love Jesus, but if we don't live and do what he commands, we don't really love him. All we're saying is that's just lip service. Oh, Jesus, I love you so much. I love you so much, Jesus. I love, oh, I praise you. I praise you, Jesus. Oh, I love, I praise the songs. I sing the songs every Sunday. I do everything. And then I go out and treat the rest of the world like dirt. 
Now, have you really worshipped Jesus at that point? Because you raised your hands or because you felt an emotion when you were in worship or that song was incredible or Dana's piano playing was amazing, which of course it is, but, but don't keep, keep it, keep it close. Yeah, Sean pushed it down. Sean pushed it down for me in the back. We get wrapped up in that. Then we go out in the world and we don't live like Jesus asked us to live. We don't worship. And if we worship in truth, without the Spirit, it becomes legalism. We do things a certain way. Worship must look like this. The altar must stay in this position. Those candles must be over here. We must have three hymns and we must have this offering. Or we must do it this way, whatever this way is. That's legalism. Might be doing the right things, but if our hearts are not encountering the living God, we miss the most important thing. Because Jesus is building a church, he's talking about, there's a church that worships in both what? Spirit and in truth. Jesus is building a church that's neither motivated by legalism or lawlessness. To truly worship in spirit and in truth in John 14, 15 is to love God and keep His commandments. If you love me, you'll do what? Keep my commandments. And then this companion that He's going to ask to be sent is called the what? The Spirit of Truth. You notice the connection? And this can only happen when people truly know Jesus, who He is, what He has done. And this draws love from the very core of our being. That Jesus is worthy of our worship. That He is the heart of worship. It's all about you, Jesus. I think I know a song like that. It's an old one now. And in contemporary worship, sometimes we can take a lot of talk a lot of times about worship. It's almost synonymous with the music. Oh, I love contemporary worship because of the music. The music's not worship. The music is a tool to be able to hopefully get us to be in a place of worship. Worship is much more than music or an event, like a worship service. This is not worship just because we gather in a certain place at a certain time. That's not worship. Music is a gift from God has been associated with Christian worship since the beginning, though. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs are part of being filled with the Holy Spirit, it says in Ephesians 5, 17-21. But we can't just get content singing the songs. Music is powerful and valuable as long as it fosters true worship. And true worship is a heart that follows and obeys God and does it in reverence. In reverence. So the danger is this. It's possible to have music and everyone singing, even sensing God's presence, and never really worship according to the Bible. That's where we get that idea of the fear of like contemporary worship becoming a show or traditional worship becoming dead and buried, dull and boring. So we have to examine ourselves, no matter what kind of worship we have, to see if our thoughts and our feelings and our traditions, whether traditional or contemporary, line up with Scripture. 
is what we're doing lining up with Scripture? Is it really worship? Matthew 15, 8, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. And later on in that same set of verses, it mentions worship. They worship me, or they don't really worship me. It's a hard word, but we have to remember it's possible to honor God with our lips and our words and our singing, but our hearts can still be far away. Dana, have you ever faked it up here and tried to make it happen even when he didn't feel it? No. Dana has never done that. Nobody in the praise team has ever felt that way. The pastor has never felt that way when he got up here to do something. 100%. Always, stop laughing like that. That's not nice. Our hearts can still be far away from God and it affects everything else because, see, once again, the music's just music. It's our heart that drives what happens. And so the call to worship is not a rally to come and watch a performance no matter what the style. Sometimes it feels like that, though, because like about the five minutes before service begins when you all start pouring in all at the same time, like I'm, it's, like I'm at a, it's like I'm at a stage or something. It's like I'm at, you know, everybody's waiting for the show to start. What if we actually came and just centered ourselves and got ready to go to be ready for worship as opposed to just coming in in the last moment, flying in on two wheels and trying to pull it together and doing it, but we actually had a posture of getting ourselves ready. I know it's hard. Isn't that what he's asking from us? And it's not about coming to see what we're going to get out of it. How many times do we hear those kind of words? I don't know when I'm going to get out of worship today. So-and-so is preaching. He's not very good. Dana's gone. The music person is coming in. I don't know if that person's going to be any good or not. It's not what worship's about. It's a full surrender to God, regardless of who's doing what up here. Worship can only be measured by the fruit of a transformed life. You worship like that? See, when we ask, when we ask someone, how was worship today? The big question, like, how was worship today? Usually the answer is super long, super long, and super long. Or, not so good, the preacher missed the mark, the music was off, I don't think I got anything out of worship today. That's not the question, is it? How was worship today? The answer shouldn't be about the quality of the music, the rating of the sermon. Go ahead and put your cards away. I know you have them out there, but I mean, you know, three, four, five. Quality of the music. Dan just picked the wrong songs this week. What? They're off. I mean, what happened? Gosh, Sean, the drums, man, you're like, you're like a lick off. What happened there, man? <laughs> Sean's like, that's what I usually do. <laughs> what are you talking about? But the fire sticks are amazing, so it makes up for everything. Or the emotions of the moment. I felt the music today. Wow. Nothing wrong with that. But that's not what worship is. Not biblically. 
or even our sense of God's presence. You know, my first couple of years here, I really struggled. I had one person one time who sent me a Facebook message, the kiss of death when you get one of those, who said, I no longer feel the Holy Spirit in our church. And on the same Sunday, I must have had ten people who came out the door and said, wow, the Holy Spirit was so present today I could feel it. Now what do I do as a pastor with those two pieces of information? You can't. Did the Holy Spirit leave for that person? Perhaps in their own life and what they were doing. Was the Holy Spirit there with those people who said yes and yes? But is that our gauge? Determination individually but what we feel? What we experience? A biblical response would be like this. Worship was great. My heart was convicted. I humbled myself. I committed to obeying Jesus I will forgive people who wronged me. I ask the Holy Spirit to empower my heart to follow through with it. And if we follow through and worship brings us into a right relationship with God, then true worship has taken place. That's what worship is about. Music is a beautiful gift from God and can be a powerful expression of true worship like we've seen today. But isn't the musical skill or the ensemble, is anybody up there in that choir a trained professional? Except for you. Some of you are closer than others. No. Like, wow, look at that choir. Yeah, that choir is brought together by Dana calling people up and saying, hey, will you you please, please, please sing on the 4th of July? Okay, just twice. Just once? Okay. Didn't take three times. So all of us then said, of course. Of course. I'm going to help you. Yeah, I'm going to be present for that. Yeah, we all have other gifts. Yes, I can sing. Yes, I led a praise team. Do you really want to see your pastor every every Sunday? You know why I'm singing down there? Because I don't want you looking at me every time going, look at that guy. He thinks he's all that in a bag of chips who can sing and preach and do this other stuff. I don't want all that. I don't need that kind of stuff in my life. I'm going to sit down with the microphone like this at my chest and you wonder why I'm singing down. That's what I do. I can't handle that. Why? Because we put so much on each other about what worship is supposed to be. But it's the posture to follow Jesus in everything. Whether it's one person strumming chords. Like, I love, where's Lana? Where's Lana? There she is in the back corner. Lana is that person that's just kind of the unassuming person in the chair that is the glue that holds songs together. Always faithful, always willing to serve, never up front. Worship. Right? Or whether it's in a living room, you can worship. Or it's in a stadium full of people, you can worship. But none of those, they're all the same as if I was Atlanta in a room by myself and she was playing that thing. It looks like a little banjo, and we're just singing songs together. We are worshiping the same way as if we're worshiping with 15,000 people if our posture and our heart is in the right place. Amen? Do you hear what I'm saying to you? All this is about our experience in the fall and being able to figure out how we, if we are, going to worship together. Because real worship is not about the songs that you're singing. It's about your spirit connecting. 
And when you understand who God is, when you see God's wonder and God's greatness, when you recognize the awesomeness of God's splendor and the beauty of God's holiness, then worship will happen regardless of whether you're going to 8.45 or 11 o'clock or whether it's between this time and this time on a Sunday morning because that's not worship, folks. Worship is something greater and bigger than any of that. And then we're not waiting to go to worship, but to begin worship every hour, every day. And worship is the heartbeat of a disciple or a follower of Jesus Christ. To come under Jesus' authority, to follow Him with all our heart, to do His orders joyfully, because we know that's where true joy and life are at. And so biblical worship involves our whole being, our spirit, our soul, and our body. One writer defined biblical worship as not just a cerebral pursuit, an emotional exaggeration, or a mystical consciousness. Worship is a presentation of our entire being ignited by the Holy Spirit as a living sacrifice to God. Wow. And we get that sense from Romans 12.1, for instance, which some of you are familiar with. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, and by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a what? as a living and perfect sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your what? Spiritual worship. Worship involves our bodies. 1 Corinthians 6.19 reminds us, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not for your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. And with our bodies, we're created in God's image. We express our worship to God. There are many words in the Bible that show physical expressions of worship. Biblical expressions of worship can include kneeling, bowing our heads, raising our heads, lifting up hands, dancing before the Lord. Do you know how the early church prayed? Just like this, right? Hmm. No. The early church prayed looking up. Why? And they prayed like this. And guess what one of your favorite foods comes from in that prayer style? I heard it. Pretzel. Pretzels were used by the monks to be able to teach children how to pray. Things have changed. Worship involves our minds. Worship engages our intellect as we allow our minds to be renewed by God's Word. The second part of Romans 12, 1 and 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. By testing, you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. To use our minds in worship. The hallmark of Methodists. I don't go in for all that lifting hands stuff and you know all that kind of stuff. I'm... I'm this, I'm this kind of person. I'm the logical person. I like that, you know, 17th century hymn and all that kind of, and that's great. I like all that liturgy. I like all the words. That's a Methodist thing. That's who we are too. Intellect can act, can, cannot accurately, though, lead us to God. Your brain can't get you to God. Believe me, I've tried. I'm very logical, very analytical. That's not what got me to God. No matter how much I know, how much I learned, has never got me to God. If we're truly led by God, our intellects will be satisfied. 
can be more properly and fully appreciate the truth that God reveals. And then last, true worship is spiritual. It goes beyond just intellect and emotion. God is spirit. So our worship must involve what? Spirit. The inmost part of our being as we're led by the Spirit of God. The thing that you probably said, I felt the Spirit moving today when blah, 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 blah happened. Right? And so the call to worship is before us. Let's offer our bodies as a living sacrifice before the Lord. Let His presence fill our hearts. Let His glory transform our souls. And let His power be manifested in our lives. I love the J.D. Greer quote, the worship, true worship is obedience to God for no other reason than you delight in God. See, it's all about God, not about us. And on this, our actual day of true freedom for our country, our Independence Day for our country, we understand that true liberty comes with the abandonment of self in our worshiping God, freeing us to worship His ways, not ours. God worships in different ways. Lots of them. All may not be the same way, you know. I may not feel comfortable with that one hand or both hands. Or I maybe feel like this kind of posture here or maybe this little posture here or maybe that's just too much and so I'm going down to here and maybe I'm lifting the hand over here and then maybe it's just a finger over here. Nobody looking at me because they look at me like, you know, Jennifer Pete lifting her hand up there in the middle of that choir. I might think you're just faking that. Yeah. I may think you're just making that up to get attention. See what we do? Well, tell me you've never thought it. We do this to each other in worship, from our singing to whatever else that we do. And so true freedom is that liberty that lets us know that we're worshiping the way that God wants us to worship, not ours. That's what we're given freedom to do. Galatians 5.13 in front of you. There's a, a plaque out there from Benjamin Franklin, which I really liked. And it says, it says, Liberty is wherever my home, yeah, my country is wherever liberty is. That's his quote. It's pretty close. My country is wherever liberty is. Not just America, but wherever liberty is. And so for Christians, what we say is liberty is perfect timing. Liberty is found in Christ. To be able to come and to worship together in the ways that we see fit. Come on in, kids. I told you I was done. That's what we have to explore. We have to explore what does worship look like together if we think it's important to be in one space at one time without the huge danger, which makes me lose sleep at night, of fighting with each other over different parts of what worship looks like. Them drums are just too loud. You know how soft Sean plays? Soft. Yeah, we can get a screen and put a screen around. Oh, boy, I don't want no plastic screen over here covering this whole thing up. Or we can get a big box that goes all the way up and covers them all in there and put a little oxygen panel in there and you can get all this. O- that would not be wise. 
and I don't like too much of that stuff. Or those hymns, you know, I got away from that service because I don't like those hymns. You know, I'm tired of that. Do you realize that our generation of our kids, including my own, no longer know how to sing the hymns at all? My daughter knows very little hymns because she's been in contemporary worship her entire life. Is that what we want? What are we willing to do to work with each other and to be able to work together to find that balance that pleases God more than it pleases us? That's what we have to be able to work on together as a community. That's what the early church worked on together as they focused on the four things that led them to be in worship every day. Prayer, breaking bread together, fellowship, and teaching. And that's where we find ourselves too. So I ask you to be in prayer. I mean like real prayer. Like taking some time to actually pray about what God wants for us. as we go forward. And so let's prepare our hearts for communion this morning as we do indeed break bread together. Let's center ourselves. How good did I do? Yeah, did fairly well. You ready? Are we, are we ready? <laughs> Christ our Lord calls to his table all who hurt and are beaten down by the stresses of life, all who love him and earnestly seek to live in peace with one another, all who repent of their sin and long to follow the call of discipleship. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Gracious Lord, you have blessed us with freedom, freedom to follow or to turn away, freedom to love or to hate, freedom to heal or to hurt. You ask only that we follow your ways, loving our neighbors as ourselves in the midst of our turbulent lives. Help us find teachers to show us the gifts you set within us and help us claim those gifts today. Harvest the fruit of the Spirit freely given by God and share it freely with others. Know that you are loved and forgiven. Trust that you are treasured now and always. Amen. Amen. That pardon, words of assurance and pardon. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. Almighty God, creator of the universe, ruler of all nations, judge of all flesh, you have placed us, your people, in this land made rich with rivers and forests and mountains and creatures great and small. Here you set before the founders and pioneers of this nation opportunity beyond measure to build a realm of justice and peace and freedom. Here you continue to call your people freed from the law and baptized in the Christ Jesus to be a sign of your reign in all the world. There's a place and a vision, there's a calling. We give you thanks, praying we may ever join afresh the dreams you set before us. And so, with your people in every land on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, 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 holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Above all, we give you thanks for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, who sends us into the world to declare the good news of your kingdom to every creature, justice to all people, 
good news to the poor, release for the prisoners, sight for the blind, and freedom for the oppressed. On the night when it felt up for us, he was arrested and sentenced to death. And by the authorities of his own nation, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. When supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so, we remember again as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ, Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out our, we pour out ourselves before you in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. And as you pour out your spirit on us and on these gifts of bread and wine, make Christ known to us in the breaking of this bread and the sharing of this cup. Renew our fellowship in him that we may be for the world, his body poured out for the world at this time in this nation. And at that great banquet in the fullness of your new creation where justice flows like rivers and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream where none shall hunger or thirst and neither shall they learn war anymore. And so by him, with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory in yours, almighty God, now and forever. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So we invite you, as we have already gotten here, of the body and blood of Christ together, we also invite you at home to gather your elements together as we prepare ourselves here to get ready to receive communion. So as we are here today, then we will come down for communion by the center aisle and be able to receive from these two sections. And the sides will also come down by their center aisle and then return back to the wall. So you're always going that direction. Leave a little space between each other as you come down and receive. Take it back to your seats, and we will take it all at once together. You may now come forward to receive your elements for communion today.
All right, everyone, I think we're ready. I hope today maybe this means a little bit more than it might usually mean. We're breaking bread together. It's a part of our worship and part of what the early church thought was one of the most important things that they did together. So we receive the body of Christ this morning to remind us that we are one body together. Let us receive the bread now. You may dip it in the cup if you want a little bit more soggier and make it go down a little easier. And the blood of Christ, shed for each one of us, paid for a price that we never know and we can never repay. This is the heart of worship, living in Him. The blood of Christ, shed for you. You all right? Okay. Okay. All right. Wow. 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 It's good. It's good. It's good. Psalm 63, if you want to come up, be ready for that. God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you. In this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. Because you are my helper, I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Let's stand for the words of benediction. Who's time in this service? So what time what time are we at? Okay, how, many, how, long, how long is that? A long time. No, no. So, look, if, if, if we're going to do this, then I'm going to win this. An hour and 50. That's two minutes. Okay, so we're getting really close to making the longest. This would be really good. So, all right. They're not done yet. Words of benediction. May the transforming love of God work in your lives today and always. And go forth into the world with peace and joy and love. And follow Christ wherever He leads you. And fulfill the promise found in the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and generosity and faithfulness and gentleness and what? Self-control. Christ has set us free. Follow Christ and know God's love. And everybody said? And there's no part of this worship service that wasn't meaningful to somebody today. And we're going to close off with Lana and I doing something. And Dana, you ready? Okay, here we go. You ready? Midland, this land is my land. From California 
Alright, give him a verse to know now, Davis, okay? Land is your land, this land is my land, from California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters, this land was made for you and me. One more time. This land is your land, this land is my land, from California to the New York Islands, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters, this land was made for you and me. Broke the record. Go home and celebrate freedom. <laughs> see what they wanted was see. They wanted to have.